Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Jesus said to his disciples, guys, you got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Never underestimate the power of God. Don't minimize anything of God's power in your life. When Jesus was alive, he was always performing miracles. Demons were cast out. Physical sickness was taken care of. People were raised from the dead. Satan's kingdom is filled with bondage. If we're going to go in our natural ability, we can never accomplish what God wants. So Jesus says to his disciples, relax. If a person stood at the edge of a canyon telling everyone around it that his faith would save him when he jumped, would people be moved to believe in Jesus? We know that would be foolishness and unbiblical. That's an obvious misinterpretation of the word. But there are all kinds of subtle ways that individuals try to draw people to salvation aside from the truth. Many people have been tricked into pursuing wealth and prosperity because they've been told it's a measure of a person's faith, and their focus moves away from Jesus. He told believers to go out and share the good news. But that good news says nothing about money or fame or adventure, just Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 15, for the conclusion of our message entitled, Believe and Proclaim. You see, I enter the world as a sinner. If I don't choose to accept Jesus Christ, I remain as a sinner. I remain condemned. So when you look at that, it's very interesting that there's only two classes of people in all the world, saved or lost. Lots of nationalities here this morning, lots of personalities, skin colors, male, female, old, young, whatever. Only two kinds of people here this morning. What are they? When you go home and drive down your neighborhood street this afternoon and then get out of your car and you walk in your neighborhood today and you go buy houses and there's a family of four people, you don't know them. They're either what? When you go into work Monday and you sit down and there's a hundred people in your division and you don't know these people individually, what two classes do they fall into? That's it. There's no it'll middle ground here. Ooh, no, you're either saved or lost. Now, because of that, that's where God wants to say to you and I, because of that, you should care. That's the motivating factor. Your best next-door neighbor, if they don't choose Jesus Christ, has nothing to do with this church, they're going to remain what? Lost. Lost. You say, well, what is lost? Lost means separated from God forever. Now, I can't change them. I can't go in and force them. But I can look for an opening. And I can begin to pray. And I can care. Now, let me just address one thing back in verse 16 for one minute. Notice, let's read that verse again. Whoever believes and is what? And is baptized will be saved. That has caused some people to believe from this particular verse, and maybe one or two others in the Bible, that water baptism is essential, is essential for salvation. That is not true. Just write these two passages down. Romans 3, 
Romans 3, 21 through 28, and Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. There are over a hundred passages in the Bible that say this. The only way that salvation is found is faith in Jesus Christ alone. The second half of the verse, if you even read it, explains that it isn't about baptism. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But then it says, whoever does not what? Believe will what? Be condemned. So it's all about faith. Baptism is only an external act that shows what happened. If I could become a Christian by doing some work, like going out and being baptized, then Jesus Christ did not need to die on the cross. The Bible teaches us over again from the beginning to the end, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So we definitely do not believe that water baptism is salvation. The scripture does not teach that. Water baptism is not a condition for salvation. But let me hasten to say this. That if we are going to accept Jesus Christ by faith, the next step should be water baptism. Day of Pentecost, Peter says, repent and be baptized. Paul, Silas, the Philippian jailer, came to the Lord. The whole house received God by faith. Then they did what? Paul took him out and did what? He baptized him. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you've accepted Jesus Christ by faith alone, you are a believer. You need to follow Jesus Christ in water baptism. You say, well, I'm not going to do it. Why? You're disobeying a command of God. It's for you saying to the world, I'm no longer who I used to be. I'm Jesus Christ's own now. You need to be water baptized. Now, third, God's provision guarantees God's message will be shared. Can you imagine when the disciples looked at the world that was in front of them and they said, well, Jesus, you know, when we ministered with you, Satan always seemed to be there and causing hassle and had people bound and deaf people and people with demons and all, all kinds of stuff and there was hassles. What are we going to do about Satan? You're leaving us. Can we share the message when we know Satan is going to try to keep people in his own kingdom? Do you know this morning that Satan loves to keep people in his kingdom? By the way, since there's only saved and lost, how many kingdoms do you think there might be? Right, right. And it's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. So see, everything matches down to twos. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Don't exponentialize it and go out to 47 different times. It's two things. Saved or lost. Kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan. So because God knew that the disciples needed help, he gives them these three things. Write these down. He gives the disciples, before he sends them, a promise of, number one, divine protection, divine power, and divine presence. Divine protection, divine power, and divine presence. We say it like this here at Calvary Chapel. Where God guides, He always provides. In other words, if He's going to send the disciples out, if He's going to send you and I out, how can we accomplish what He wants us to do? How can more than one of us out of this group of 100 share? Because... I'm a little afraid to do that. Well, here's how. God's power is the first one. Let's take a look at that verse again. It says, In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will place their hands on sick people. And they will get well. Those are the signs. Now, here's something you have to understand very, very simply. Jesus says, Get the order of these signs that are going to confirm my word in the proper sequence. 
Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. And you're the disciples. We're together. Jesus says to his disciples, number one, go. As you're going, as you're going to all the world, as you're sharing, as you're going, as you're sharing, what's going to happen? Behind your sharing, here's some things that are going to confirm my word. There's going to be some supernatural signs that are going to take place. And they always will confirm what took place, that I'm real, that the message you're sharing is valid. Now, what we want to do in the church is we want to take the signs, casting out demons, people being healed. We want to take the signs and put them where? Well, let's put them over here. Let's attract people with the signs. And if we happen to get time to teach the word of God, we'll do that. If not, we got the signs here. Wrong. Wrong. You always put the going and the sharing, and then God, when he sees fit, does what? He adds the sign. And by the way, the biblical signs, not weird signs. We have many churches today with total bizarre signs. People rolling on the floor, barking like lions, all this. That is not God's signs. That's Satan's signs. You want God's signs, which are filled, and you see what they are right there. Are there demons today? See, we don't see a lot of in the United States, but go to India with me. Demons are real. But they're not real like we see in the United States. Number one, Christians never can have a demon. And when you understand that, we can be oppressed but never possessed. So the signs must come in the right order. And when they come in the right order, neat things happen. Now because of these signs, we bring up a topic called supernatural. When you and I hear the supernatural, because it's been hyped so much, you come from one of two schools, most of you. You come from a place where you saw the supernatural signs always hyped. The service was no good, and this was lots of supernatural, whatever they called supernatural. Others of you come from wonderful churches. By the way, they're Christians. Others come from wonderful churches over here, where you were taught from 1 Corinthians, probably around chapter 14 and 15, that signs... Supernatural isn't needed anymore. We're above that today. We can do all the things of God in our own natural strength. Well, where is the truth always? Right in the middle. I feel sorry for those people that try to do the work of God with human ability. You'll never accomplish it. If that was true, Jesus would have said to his disciples, See ya. Have to it. But you'll see in a moment. Actually, let's turn right now to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 4, 5, and 8. Some of the rest of you are over here playing with the signs and the hype. And you haven't realized that there's a balance to that. You need to come back to the scriptural pattern of what it is. All things should be done decently and in order. Now, there's only one way that the disciples could accomplish what God asked them to do. And that's to something that might even scare you the term, the power of of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. It is not really what you think you've seen normally on television. Sometimes it's true, but most of it isn't. Let's look what Jesus says before he sends his disciples out. On one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Disciples, verse 4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. That gift was the person of the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skip on down to verse 8. But you will receive power, you, 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the reason for you to have this power is so you can be a firecracker at work. You can be attracting attention to yourself. There goes, you know, Cherry Bomb Bomber. There he is, man, just blown off all the time. What great power. Is that the reason? What's the reason for power? Look at it. What's it say? To do one thing. What? Witness. To do what the other 99 people aren't doing in each group. Now, why do we need power? Boldness to witness. I'm going to use a real theological term now. Get ready. Ready? The reason we need power is because we're chicken. Is that right? We're afraid to share the gospel. We're afraid that the one person we share with is the one that God never put a hole in their heart. God, why'd you send me to them? Why'd you send somebody else there? How many people have a hole in their heart? Everyone. And when we get rejected, we feel embarrassed. Jesus said to his disciples, guys, you got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Never underestimate the power of God. Don't minimize anything of God's power in your life. When Jesus was alive, he was always performing miracles. Demons were cast out. Physical sickness was taken care of. People were raised from the dead. Satan's kingdom is filled with bondage. If we're going to go in our natural ability, we can never accomplish what God wants. So Jesus says to his disciples, relax. God's power is going to be within you. It's going to come over you. Whatever is necessary in your life will happen. My power is greater than Satan's. You don't have to fear. You can relax. My power is greater than any of your ability. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the Spirit for life. And that comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was accomplished in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when that took place, it opened the doorway to a Spirit-filled life for all the believers. As they opened that and began to walk, see, I need the power of the Holy Spirit every day in my life. I need to yield to the Holy Spirit. It's not something weird. It's absolutely a necessity in my life. Now, when all these changes occur, when people's lives are changed, remember one thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is people coming to Jesus Christ. The number one purpose for Jesus Christ coming was not for people to be healed, was not for people to be delivered from demons, was not for people to have their arm put back into place. The number one purpose is for what? People to get saved. The greatest miracle is people taken from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of light. Now that doesn't mean all those other things aren't going to happen because he promised that they would. Let's go on. We also need God's protection in our life. They will pick up snakes back in Mark and with their hands and they will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them. Now when you read that, we've had some people in the United States that misread that. In some of our areas of the eastern United States, we have people that handle snakes and try to prove their spiritual IQ. Many of them never get to prove it because they die. Now, we laugh, but the world looks at that. See, the world looks at that, and you can talk to anybody, and they don't know about snake handlers. And the world looks at it and say, that's God's power. Weird. That's not God's power. That's man's stupidity. 
If you come this afternoon and say, well, God's power is here to protect me, and you, and you go leave up to the building, and you say, Pastor Mark, I want you to see something. And I watch you, and you climb up the top of this building out here. You say, God said I can jump, and he's going to protect me. You know what? I'll do your funeral about Thursday. Because what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. That's stupid. This isn't a safety net to do stupid things. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, Satan says, Hey, jump off this cliff here and show me you're the Son of God. He says, You will not tempt the Lord my God. Don't tempt God. So it doesn't mean that I handle snakes. You know, Paul, Acts 28, this proved. He went. He was sharing the gospel. He went to build a little fire one day. And in the firewood was a snake. And the snake grabbed a hold of him and it was poisonous. And he shook it off and nothing happened to him. He didn't walk in and go, here, sneaky, 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 sneaky. That's stupid. That's stupid. Now, we have no proof. We have no proof in the Bible of anybody drinking poisoning. We don't know that happened, but we have many proof of people historically that did that. I was listening to Pastor Chuck. He was talking about a pastor who asked new church board members to come on and to see if they had enough faith to serve on the board. He lined up poison for them to drink. It said some of the board members didn't pass the test. So, you know what happened to the pastor? Second degree murder. Now you say, that's stupid. What does Satan do with that? He said, that's the power of God. You don't want to be connected with the power of God. No, you want to be connected with the true power of God. That's stupid. Last, God's presence. Look at verse 19. And after Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up to heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. So Jesus goes back to heaven. The disciples are left here. And we know that then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost into the disciples. They'd already had the Holy Spirit in them, came upon them. They were filled. They were endued with power on high. And that meant that everywhere that the disciples went, everywhere they went, they had the power of the Holy Spirit with them. You, this morning, myself, I need the power of God operating in my life. Now, what is the result if the disciples came, they heard the challenge from Jesus, they accepted him, the Holy Spirit came on them. What is the result of walking out a spirit-filled life? Look at verse 20. Here's what it says. By the way, you can write by this verse 20, something really neat in your Bible. Just write this. This is a compacted picture of the book of Acts in one verse. This is a book of Acts in one simple verse. It says this. The disciples went out, which they were supposed to do. Secondly, they were supposed to preach. They did it. And they went everywhere. That's where they were supposed to go. And what happened? And the Lord worked with them. And notice what he confirmed. He can. He always confirms his word. And what he confirmed it with? Signs accompanying that or following it. So what basically he said was this. Were the signs in the right order? Sure, they were in the right order. You see people healed as Peter and John did on the day of, right after the day of Pentecost with that man. In the name of Jesus, be healed. He was healed. They didn't come and say, we're having a revival today, healing service today. No, they went, preached the gospel, people were healed. See, don't underestimate the power of God. God still heals today. Miraculously, he heals. He still will cast out demons of those people that have been possessed by demons. You don't want to play with that. You don't want to go, well, I'm a Christian man. I'm just going to go and attack. I'm going to confront this demon. Be very careful. 
We confront demons. We go as elders together. We pray. We fast. If you try to do it yourself, you're in trouble. It has to come from God. Now, here's the last thing I want to show you. What happened later in the book of Acts, about 30 years later, was this. Here's what would happen in town to town. You'd hear this. Here's what they were saying. You know, these disciples are coming into our town. What disciples? Well, these disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, who cares where they come? Well, do you know what happened in the last town they were? Here's what happened. Look. These who have turned the world upside down, they come to our town too. What do you mean, turn the world upside down? Wherever the disciples went, marriages were restored. People's bodies were healed. People came from darkness to light. They got off drugs. They came back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. They had that emptiness in their life filled. And these guys said, man, they're coming to our town. I wonder what could happen. Wouldn't it be neat to get up on Monday morning tomorrow instead of them saying we're going to drive on the opposite side of the road? Can you imagine say this? God has come in all his power to South Brevard. And the second line would say this, and the world is being turned right side up. Yes. Now, how's it going to happen? Well, one from here and one from over there and one from over there. Is that how it's going to happen? No. So here's your homework. Get ready. Ready? You're going to have to write it down. Here it is. Next verse. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your name in the blank. Every day, I want you to pray and say, God, use me today. Use me today. Here's what you're going to say. Then Mark, put your own name there, that's verse 20, went out and he shared everywhere. And the Lord was with Mark. Do you believe God's with you? Absolutely. And confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. Here's my prayer. I'm praying for you all week. That 100% of us think about what I taught today. And say, okay, God, there's a neighbor. There's a friend. There's somebody in my neighborhood. There's a person at work. There's a relative that is without Jesus Christ. If they're without Jesus Christ, they're what? They're lost. And where does that mean they spend eternity? In hell. Separated. Do you care? Well, I've got a pretty busy week, Pastor Mark. Thanks for the message. That's what happens. That's why you need to pray about it. You see... You can't just get a, and I heard the story about a guy getting on a plane, you know, it's one of these Southwest or whatever, he gets on, you know, and they don't have reserved seats, he gets on, he says to the person next to him, is that seat saved? No, and he sits down and he says, are you saved? That's not what we're talking about here. Don't be corny. And you can't go to work and go, well, I heard this message and I'm required to ask you this morning, are you saved or lost? If you tell him that, tell him you saw it on Christian TV or something. Don't... Don't, don't tell him. You, you can't say that. You have to wait for God to do what? Open a door. How's he going to open a door? You praying that he opens the door. You see, one day, a golfer was with what? Another golfer, and all of a sudden, he opened the door. And what happened? God's told me this week I'm golfing seven days this week. <laughs> do I get a witness? Do I get a witness of that? Not a chick. Don't I wish. Wherever I'm at, wherever you're at, God wants to change lives. Today, Pastor Mark warned about the ways churches and professing believers can pervert the Word in a way that pushes the world away from Jesus instead of drawing them near. Some groups test the Lord by putting themselves in harm's way in order to see if their faith will save them. As we learn, Scripture says this is foolishness. 
Pastor Mark challenged us to consider the unsaved in our lives and seek the Lord in witnessing to them. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m., and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll be starting a new portion of Scripture. We hope you've been encouraged by our study through the Gospel of Mark, received revelation and knowledge through the Word. We'll continue to seek truth and wisdom from the Word that we can apply and live out daily in our own lives, all while worshiping, honoring, and praising the Lord in our walk with Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.